Welcome to Mastermind, the show where you learn to develop and master your skill from the best of the best. Yes, your host, Mr. G. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest is a licensed social worker and play therapist. When she was pregnant, she saw a video about child development and the brain from Dr. Ben Carson, which sparked all types of parenting ideas that she would implement immediately. At three months, she started educating her growing baby, Corey. As a newborn, she continued the education through reading, singing, and introducing him to the world around him. By 21 months, her son was reading independently. By three years old, Corey was reading at a third grade reading level and reading chapter books. By four, her son was able to do multiplication problems. You can now find her son, Corey, conducting science experiments and displaying his learning through his own YouTube channel. Corey is also a published author and wrote his first children's book at the age of six called Alexander's Hide and Seek Alphabet. Our guest is also the founder of Simply Outrageous Youth and the author of six books that serve as guides to help parents educate and advance their children. Let's welcome today, Miss Andrea Stevenson to the program. Wow, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> ah, well deserved, man. You're like parent, you're like black parent of the year right now, man. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Amazing. I was really inspired just going through your work and you know, the I, I think people don't understand the amount of patience that it takes um to do the work that you do specifically with black boys we know like black boys the energy level is like all over the yeah. place and yes <laughs> <laughs> so to 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 do the work that you do man i think it it is amazing and thank you for just creating an outline you know for parents uh to be able to to manage some of these things because i think we're at an emergency level with our children when we look at their reading levels the comprehension levels um mm-hmm. their their math levels the site like all everything and it's based on reading and comprehension and you're doing all this work early on and I think it serves as a guide to a lot of parents to look at so they can you know copy these things because our kids are are going into school not knowing how to read and never learning how to read you know they're they're going to school behind and they stay behind and through you know graduation of high school if they make it that far so I think uh you're doing some some great work thank you (laughs) thank you for having me indeed indeed so what what sparked everything for you was Dr. Uh, ben Carson's special on the brain and um, child development. So can you talk to us just about that experience and then what what you know what kind of gems you learned from that that sparked it in you that you know what? I could do this. like I could implement all these things in my you know, and um you know have my child reading early and writing early and learning early and publishing their own book, <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, I, um, so I never thought that he would be doing all of this (laughs) when I first started. So what happened, I was, I think I was like 12 weeks pregnant and I had lunch with two of my old coworkers from a previous job that I had. And so one of the coworkers said, you know, you should watch the um, Ben Carson special. I was like, well, what is that? And she was saying, um, he talks about baby's brain development, how you should read to them and talk to them. So immediately that night I went home and I found it on YouTube. It was like an hour special. It was free. And I watched it and I was just amazed. Um, Just the amount of information that I learned. One of the things I learned was that when you're um, 
babies in the womb around 16 weeks is when they develop their hearing. So they can hear everything that you say. And another thing that I learned was that uh, babies who are read to, um, hugged, re um, bonding with their, uh, with babies who are bonding with their parents and sing, or if a parent is singing to them or talking to them constantly, they learn at a faster rate. So once I learned that, I was like, oh, wow. So I, at the time I was 12 weeks pregnant. So I think it was week 15 when I was pregnant, I went to the library and just got some books <laughs> and some children's books. And I just started reading to him just so he can hear um, some of the words because he could hear what I was saying. But a lot of times, um, they get more of a vocabulary or more diverse vocabulary from the books that you're reading. Um, so I started doing that. And then once he was born, um, I just took to what Dr. Ben Carson said. I started to sing to him, to dance uh, with him. I would hug him. I would give him kisses, you know, at night when you're when the child is uh, waking up every two hours and you have to feed them. I was tired because I was a full time working mom. So to help relieve my stress, I would sing to him and rock him. And he was hearing all those words. And I noticed when I would sing to him and read to him, he was paying attention even at two weeks, three weeks old. So when I would open a book, I could see his eyes just listening to me. And I didn't, I'm not sure if he understood what I was saying, but just the fact that someone was sitting there um, bonding with him, talking to him, interacting with him, I think he was amazed by that. So um, from that special, I just learned that, you know, it's, it's very important for you to interact, um, sing to your child, read to them, and they'll learn at a faster rate. Yeah, that is amazing, man. I think that, you know, in a world where there are really no guidelines, it's not like you have to take a course in parenting before you become a parent, you know, <laughs> where like, you know, yeah. as a parent myself, like, you know, I'm looking all over, all over the place for information and books and this and that. So you can be the best type of parent that you can be. So I think that, you know, you were exploring that this is super important that, you know, all parents should be doing because there's no guideline to how to do this, right. you know, how to do this. Yes, and everyday everything. learning process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another part of your education, uh, just learning through reading your book, uh, teach, your, teach Your Toddler Through Play, uh, for your resources section, you had Dr. Mm -hmm. Juanja Kanjufu, uh, raising Black Boys and Dr. Layla Africa's book, Handbook for Raising Black Children. So what did you get from those two authors that you were able to incorporate teaching and parenting your son, Corey? So from Dr. Um, Jawanza Kanjufu, I learned um, about, you know, boys' energy, how they learn, their attitude. Um, he gave some pointers about instilling confidence in black boys. And one of the ways is to um, teach them black history. Um, he also talked about putting them in martial arts and you know, just giving them chores, really also involving their father in their life. But let you know, fortunately I have my husband here and I learned a lot from him too, because you know, moms, we want to nurture them and, you know, don't do this. Don't be so hard. So, you know, with the father, <laughs> they're a little bit different with boys. I learned um, that from my husband, too. So I learned that from Jawanza Kanjufu. Um, and then from Dr. Liela Africa, I learned about reading comprehension. I learned about how to teach your child the importance of having melanin in their body. Um, I also learned, like, how do you read to them? Um, so that was very important. And how do you sing songs to them and um, how their brain is growing at a fast rate from zero to three. 
So, and it's, it's a great guide for me because like I said, I have my husband, but you know, I'm, I'm a homeschooling mom, so I'm here with them every day. So I like to hear from a male's perspective about how to raise black boys. So those two books are, are very important to me. So that's what I learned from those and a lot more, but <laughs> yes, yes. kind of summarizing it. I think what you just also, said is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Good. I'm sorry. Good. Oh, and, and one thing I learned from um, Dr. Africa is the diet too. And also, um, Dr. Kwanza Kunjuku, just feeding them a, a, a diet so they could focus more. So, mm. yeah, I think what what you just said is just so important too about learning through uh, through black men about how to raise black boys and you know not yeah. making assumptions and things like that. Um, yeah. You know because there are special needs I think that black boys have versus black girls, and you know sometimes parents don't know until you have both and you're like, yo, my son is just like all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's it is a completely different process, man. Um, the energy that boys have is just, woof, yeah. man. <laughs> we'll get into that um, before we kind of get into some of your background and your history. Some people might be listening in and they're like reading at six years old, like reading chapter books at at um at a uh, three and developing their own book at six. Like this kid is a genius. Like how could you know? How could this be an example for my my child like this you know your child might be an anomaly where or a genius a boy genius so um do you think this is a lot to do with just your child or this can be implemented the work that you're doing with um all other children i mean it could be it could be implemented with all children all children are born geniuses um i think what it is and there is a black psychologist oh my gosh i forgot his name i have I got his book. you i got you uh dr amos wilson yes <laughs> yes, he has a book. I forgot the name of it, but I think it's the psychology of a black child. I forgot what it was, but his book was very instrumental too because he talks about, um, you know, all children are born geniuses. It's just what what they're exposed to once they're born. Um, and, you know, a lot of times as parents, you know, we, we let them play, um, but we're not making it intentional for us to expose them to words to read to them like I hear a lot of parents say well I will I'll read to them once they're two or three or even four or five and I think that's late because the brain a child's brain is actually developing from zero to three by the time they're three it has developed between 85 and 90 percent so between the ages of three and zero their brain is growing at a rapid rate and whatever you teach in them they are just soaking it in they're absorbing it at a faster rate so i think like when you start teaching children at four and five i think it's they're still learning um and their brains are still growing but from that zero to three period it's it's very critical um i'm sorry i hope i'm answering the question what was the question again (laughs) (laughs) absolutely uh i I was asking if your your child was the only genius or are there other geniuses out there and you're answering it perfectly because you know i agree with you uh Dr. Mm-hmm. Amos Wilson's book is The Developmental Psychology of the Black Child. Yes. Yes. And I read that as well. And mm-hmm. it really enlightened me to what I was seeing, because as an educator, I was already seeing a lot of young Black children, like super intelligent and doing so much. And then somehow mm-hmm. when they get into like the school system, all yeah. of that kind of just just um, is, is I don't know, like it, it just stops, you know, and then the the, yeah. the learning stops, the love for learning stops and all that kind of thing. So um, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with, with what you just said, like that our children are born geniuses and we just have to continue it, continue that process and not, yeah. you know, allow it, allow it to, to, uh, to dwindle down. Right. 
yeah so the, yeah that that was that's the answer to the question it's just you know all children are born I believe with the same brain and I think it's just what the environment that they're in the way their parents and other caregivers nurture them that's what determines um, how much they absorb um, how how much they would want to learn so I mean any child could do it so agreed agreed <laughs> all right um I think obviously you had some wonderful experiences coming up to kind of have you know the uh your optimism with parenting and the, the things you've been able to do with with your, your child and um, some of the things that you've written through your book so what were some of your experiences you know developing as a youth yourself and growing up in your family environment and schooling and everything that kind of led to you know your ideology and where you are now okay um well my mom dad and I have an older brother <clears throat> who's 11 years my elder um they were very instrumental my mom she always encouraged me to read but I never <laughs> liked to read um and I think it was because I think I wasn't exposed to the books that I liked <laughs> I think that's what it was um so she did always encourage me to read and she also taught me um about like when she would pay bills, she would have me write out the checks. So I knew how much, um, you know, the, I didn't do the mortgage, but I would do like the electric bill, the water bill, all the utilities. I would write out checks for those and then she would sign them. And then I would go into, at that time, you know, we would have to go to the actual building and pay <laughs> with a check or a money order. And I would go in and I would pay it. Or um, my, or if I wanted to buy something, um, I had a piggy bank. They would let me buy it and I would have to figure out how much change I needed back. My dad, he was always in the community working with children. So I saw him implementing, you know, some fun learning methods within our church. Like he used to take us to amusement parks and have vacation Bible school. And I just always loved church because my dad was a superintendent. So he was essentially, you know, the lead for, um, you know, Sunday school and I guess the children's ministry too. And my brother, um, he would have me at his house. Um, when, when I was younger, he taught me about money and he would do it through role play. So I remember when I was like four or five, he would, he would teach me the value of like what, you know, how much a quarter is, how much a dime is. And we would do it through role play. So he would act like, you know, he was um, like a store owner and I would have to figure out how much money to give to him. And then also um, once I got older, I would stay with him in the summers and he taught me about Black history, not only me, but a, a group of other kids, him and my sister-in-law. She was his girlfriend at the time, but now my sister-in-law now. And I just learned about um, all these Black scientists, all these great Black people that I didn't learn about in school. And we had to start our own businesses. Um, so we did like art projects and we would sell the uh, merchandise. So I, I learned a, a lot and it wasn't, it was through experience. So like I said, with my mom, having me to write the checks and actually paying for going in the bills and paying for the bills and my brother teaching me through role play and then actually having me start a business so when I learned that you know the best way to learn is through experience so that's what my family instilled in, into me wow so you, you really didn't even have to go to school man like, oh <laughs> like... <laughs> I, well, I did but you know they they did like the supplemental things like you know in school, we didn't learn about Black history. We didn't learn about financial literacy, you know, things like that. So, um, so they, they would do like the supplemental things. <laughs> got it, got it. And where, where, where did you grow up at? So I grew up in a small town called Jacksonville, North Carolina. It's very rural. Um, and yes, Southern girls of North Carolina. Got you, got you. Okay, what was um, your, your 
college experience like? Uh, how did you come about choosing social work and, you know, that type of uh, career? Okay, so my brother, I usually do follow my brother's footsteps. So he went to the same college that I went to. Um, it's called Davidson College. Um, not a lot of diversity. I think there's like, at the time, there were, I think, 16 or 1800 students there and only about 60 to 80 of us were black. So it's not, mm. I don't maybe it's changed now, but it was a private school. Um, there was a lot of uh, Europeans who were, had money there. So I was in a league. I was like, oh, wow. You know, they went to private school. A lot of these kids have money. I think mm -hmm. the tuition there at the time was like $30,000 a year. And I got a scholarship to go there. Um, so when I went there, um, going to class, I, I wasn't a good writer. I remember one time my, <laughs> the, my teacher, he had everybody pull out their paper and critique it. And after that class, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a bad writer because <laughs> they just <laughs> they critiqued my paper so bad. Um, I was like, oh, gosh. So it's funny now that I'm writing books. But immediately after that, I went to a science. It's called the Writing Center. And she, what I learned was that I was using too many words to say one thing. So she's like, you're using 10 words when you can use five words in a sentence. So and also at Davidson, um, it, it was nothing for me to have like four 10 page papers due all in one month. So it really taught mm -hmm. me about work ethic and writing and actually putting my thoughts together. And just being around those type of students who had, you know, who had some money and had traveled internationally, who had been on airplanes, you know, things that I never experienced, it just showed me just a different world out there. And it showed me that, you know, they weren't smarter. It's just because they were exposed to more that they know a little bit more than me. So that's how I, I took it to when I became a mom, like try to expose my son to as much as I can, because it's not that anybody is smarter than him. It's just that, um, maybe they were exposed more to a certain subject than he was. So um, the social part, you know, uh, the black people there, you know, we were like brother and sister, we were very close, but it wasn't very diverse. But in the same token, I am glad that I went there because I kind of learned like how the other world is and um, how they learn and how the parents are with their children and what they, uh, what they expose them to. So um, I'm glad that I did get that experience. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So, you know, during your grad years, you kind of came out with uh, the idea of simply outrageous youth. So how did that all come about? And what was your, you know, beginning processes of that to kind of where you are now with that? Okay. Um. So grad school, I went into social work and you asked me about social work. So in undergrad, I I majored in sociology because in high school, that was a subject that I liked. <laughs> And that was my favorite class. So, um, and I like the subjects that we wrote about. We wrote about social issues, um, relationships, um, some political issues. And I just, I enjoyed writing those papers. So I went to um, Washington University in, in St. Louis for social work because I didn't want to become a sociology teacher because it was about statistics. And, you know, I, I didn't want to get into that and writing books, but I like social work because I could actually work with people. In a social work, there's, um, I guess there's different avenues that you can go into with social work. You can work with adults, children, you can do a mentoring program. So it's just basically just working with people and helping them solve their problems. So in graduate school, I completed my work and I was a little bit bored and I decided to come up with Simply Outrageous Youth and I started just writing curriculum. So Simply Outrageous Youth, it came from 
the name came from my brother. So he had a company, he still has a company called Simply Outrageous, where he does financial literacy. And he also does, he goes into schools and does programs for children, but it's more about financial literacy. So I asked him one day if I can tack on youth <laughs> and start my own kind of business while I was in graduate school. And he said, yeah. So what I did was I went to some local schools in the St. Louis area. I knew they had a grant where they would have people come in in after school programs and they would teach children enrichment subjects. So financial literacy, art, dance. And so that's what I did. So I went to some of the uh, schools in St. Louis and I ended up getting two contracts, one to teach financial literacy and um, one to teach uh, Microsoft Word. And what I did was I had too many contracts to, well, I, I couldn't do two. So I would get some of the business students to volunteer to teach those pro the financial literacy programs. Um, and I, I made some money. That's how I paid my rent <laughs> for my apartment. And I had a lot of fun writing the curriculum out or the curricula out uh, for the children and for the master's and business students in uh, Washington University in St. Louis. So. That is awesome, man. Awesome. Okay. Um, I kind of want to walk through the process of, you know, from your pregnancy up until, I guess, where your child is at now. So we kind of okay. can dissect it a little bit. Some of the things okay. that you were able to do and um, what your, your child was able to, to do as a result as well. So okay. can you walk us through some of your experience um, sure, during I'm gonna pregnancy? Use... So... Okay. Okay. I'm going to use my book as a guide. <laughs> kind of help absolutely me, absolutely so, so i wanted to um, start with um in the womb so can you share with us some of the things that you did in the womb and then we'll go step by step okay um so like i said before i remember from the dr carson's um special that children start to develop their ears and they can hear you at 16 weeks so one of the things i did week 15 was i went to the library and i just got children's books <laughs> so librarians would ask me how many kids do you have i was like well this one in my <laughs> in my belly here so that was my um way of just exposing him to words and kind of singing to him at night so that's what i would do while he was in the womb um once he <clears throat> was born then it was my mission just to bond with him you know to hug him to dance with him to um, give him kisses and and you know let him be on the floor and play and so what I wanted to do was I just wanted to expose him to language so the way that I did that was through songs in my car. So I, my main thing was just to expose him to words when he was born. Um, so once I did that and I started reading him books, but it, once I read books to him, I made it kind of animated once he was able to sit up. So if the book said, John jump, I would actually jump. Or if John um, raised his hand, I would actually raise my hand. Or we would also dance um, to different nursery rhymes. So you know, the, the nursery rhyme, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. So I would get up and I would do that. Um, so he can see that, oh, their head, you could point to the top of your head and this is your shoulders or the wheels on the bus go round and round. I would actually do those motions so he can know that, okay, round and round, there's a motion to that, there's meaning to it. So I try to connect the words to meaning so he can comprehend it even as a baby, if that makes sense. Um, makes so the sense next, so. yeah, so the next thing was um, just doing in-depth learning. So with singing, um, dancing, he's experiencing what he's learning. So I'm using, um, seeing when he's seeing the pictures in the books or he's seeing me um, act out different nursery rhymes, you know, touching, you know, when we're doing head, shoulders, knees and toes, I would kind of like move his hands. Like if we're doing wheels on the bus, I would move his hands round and round. 
um, and also hearing me do it. So I wanted to use his whole body to learn and just experiencing the books or experiencing the songs um, or experience, you know, when you're dancing, you're experiencing movement. So that was the other thing I wanted to just include in-depth learning as I'm teaching him. And this, I did this with reading. I did this with math. And I also did this with writing as well. And then um, after that, um, I would, and I also do this with numbers too. Like uh, we would count different things. Um, I would let him touch, you know, play numbers and, you know, put them in order. We would do different puzzles. And so the next thing was um, learning the alphabet. And we, I would go to the library every week with him and we probably read over 60 different types of ABC books. And when you, when you read that many (laughs) and you've been exposed (laughs) to it through songs and you've been exposed to it, you know, maybe through cartoon shows, it's inevitable for you to learn it because you've been exposed to it so many times in, in many different ways. So after he did that, and I'm just, I'm just concentrating on reading too, because I did math and I did writing too. (laughs) Um, So after he learned the alphabet, I would take markers and write the alphabet on the window or on a, a writing pad. So once he started talking, he would say A and I would write A. He'd say B and I would write B. So he can know that, oh, I'm in a leadership position. If she is cause and effect, if I'm saying A, she'll write A, you know, so it encouraged him to keep <laughs> saying the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we I exposed him to phonics. So whenever I would read an ABC book, I would say, oh, A is for a, a, alligator and read the sentence or B is for book, book, ball. So he was learning about um, phonics there. And then there's another, there's a cartoon called Leapfrog, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Leapfrog Letter Factory, and there's Leapfrog um, Phonics Farm that he liked to watch. So once he knew the alphabet, I was like, okay, okay, it's safe for him to watch this show. And I know with the, I think the Pediatric Association, they say your children shouldn't watch TV before, I think it's before the age of two. But, but because at one, he had already knew the alphabet, I was like, well, he knows the alphabet, so he'll kind of understand what's going on in the cartoon. So I did let him watch cartoons um, in that nature. So then after that, once you know your phonics, you can blend sounds. (laughs) Um, And I would have him at the refrigerator and I would say, oh, how do you spell dig? And there's actually a video of him spelling dig and he would put d -d, and I would say d and he knows I says i and g g g he knows g say g. So he would do that and he was amazed like, oh wow, I spelled a word. And then we would see those, those same three letter words in books or things that I would say. So, so then we did sight words too. So sight words, I would just point them out in books. Um, and also, I don't know if you probably, should, but when, when he was potty training, <laughs> I would let him watch. Um, there's a lot of good videos about sight words and it has songs to it and you can dance to those songs even after dinner we would have like a dance party so I would just put on phonic songs on YouTube and you know it had a, a good beat to it so we would just dance to them so that's how he kind of learned phonics and just seeing them through books as well and then um and I hope I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to go no, this really no, fast we're, we're absorbing all the gems keep okay going. <laughs> okay so the other thing is um once sight words and you got your phonics the other thing after that is just experiencing so he was really into space and into cars. So I really made sure that I got books that were about cars. So we'd read about cars and I would take his toy cars and we would actually play with them. So if I was reading about a car, we would, I would take the toy car and actually act out what was being read to in the books. So he was experiencing what he was reading or he was into space. Um, so we actually went to the um, National, I think it was National Space Museum here in the area and he actually got to see, you know, a replica of Pluto. Well, Pluto's not a plant anymore. It's the um, dwarf plant now, but of 
Jupiter, of Mars, he would actually see replicas of those things. Um, so just experiencing what he was reading, what he liked to learn. And then after that, uh, digital media is when I talked about like cartoons, I would let him watch like Leapfrog is really good. Um, Mother Goose Club is really good. Um, like that. We would dance to those songs. Oh, also in the car, I had like toddler radio playing or when I would change his diaper, toddler radio. So he, he's actually hearing those words, hearing the words on the cartoon, hearing the words in the books that I'm reading. So he's making connections and his brain is being exposed to all these words. Then after that, it's just reading a variety of books. And that's where going to the library every week. So just reading a variety of books. And then when I saw something that he really liked, I would double down on those books. I got a lot of books about cars, a lot of books about he liked construction vehicles. So I would double down on those books, but then also exposing him to different books as well. Um, so just reading a variety of books and getting him exposed to a variety of language. And then you know, just structuring my day, it was always about play, because um, a lot of people ask me, how do you get your son to sit down and read? He's been exposed to it ever since he was born, and our home is, it's literacy rich, is mm. what I like to say, so we have books everywhere, and I don't buy a lot of books, I just get them for the library, so like, my current library, they let us check out 100 books at a time, and I have 100 Ooh, books for the library, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing, yeah, so I'm, I'm in between two counties where I live, so one library, one county is like, oh, you can do only 50, 50 books. And then the other county is like, oh, you can do 100. So I just put them in bookshelves. So both my boys, they have um, bookshelves in both their rooms. Even my one-year-old, my six-year-old, we have a big bookshelf on the second floor in the dining room. There's, and there's a book, there's a box of books in the playroom. So books are everywhere. And there's, you know, writing pads so they can write things down. So I would like to say my home is literacy rich because it's if they want to read something, the book is there. So I just think, and, and it just playing with words, because I think, you know, learning is fun and learning can be fun. And I think when you use, you know, we play games. When, uh, so when you use games and you would use, um, you know, playing with toys, that encompasses the whole body when you're learning. So like I said, experiencing, you are using movement, you know, when you're dancing or when they're playing with their toy cars, they're seeing it, they're feeling it, they're touching it. So that's how you make learning fun. You, you use their whole body and you kind of observe your child and see what they're into. Um, and you just double down on that. And, and you can, once you're playing with them, you can expose them to more words. So if, if they're playing with cars, you know, crash or accident, oh, there's an accident. So you're exposing them to those type of words while they're playing. Um, so you just kind of, narrating when when they're playing and that's exposing them to more words too so i hope that answered your question <laughs> oh yeah. that that was phenomenal um i think that that is super important i think that just the play concept is super important because generally like i find that adults think that children are adults and you're gonna sit down and you know you're gonna learn and um yeah and i'm gonna dictate to you what you're gonna do so can you uh just share like about the importance of play and the importance of uh, your child directing the education and not just like, well, I'm going to tell you what you need to do kind of thing that most right. of us do as parents <laughs> and adults. Right. Well, um, so play is important because what it does, it, like I said, it, it includes everything like playing games. So if a child is a visual learner, if you're playing, they're going to get that visual stimulation. They're going to, if a child is an auditory <clears> learner, <throat> they're going to hear things. So they're going to get that too when they're playing games. If your child likes to move, you know, kinesthetic, kinesthetic learner, it's, that's there too, you know. Um, so games, it just, in, 
it includes everything, um, whether your child is a visual learner, hearing learn, you know, auditory learner. And so mm. that's why I like it. Um, and it and it doesn't have to be I think it's boring, especially for boys. Um, as far as what I've observed in my children and what I've read, just for them, for someone just sit down and talk to them. Like my, both of my sons like to touch, <laughs> touch things. So I try to get them uh, as much like, things that they can touch as much, ex- as many experiments as I can while they're learning. If not, it'll just go in one year and out the other. And I think you learn more um, once you experience it. You know, you can hear it, you can write it down, but once you experience it and you problem solve with it, um, that's what playing is. You problem solve, you know, you're trying to build a building. Oh, it doesn't work. Take it down. Try to do it this way. And I think you, your brain, um, it helps your brain cells grow more um, when you're playing. And, and that's in a child's nature to play. You know, when you have babies, they're pulling at this, they're looking at this <laughs> and they're just everywhere all over the house. So they're constantly exploring. So just kind of directing that learning um, when you can, but then, you know, you explore and let them uh, do their thing but then there's you know there's times where you kind of direct their learning but they're still exploring it if that makes sense so. makes perfect sense makes perfect <laughs> sense um another thing that you mentioned like was through the reading process and the learning process the importance of children reading and learning from people that look like them that resemble them so can yeah. you talk about just the importance of that and i guess in regards to the psychological development of the child as they're learning yeah. Um, so one of the things is that um, I know it's important because, you know, when a lot of black boys are in school, most of their teachers are white. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure most of them, most of these teachers, you know, they do the best that they can. But there is a cultural difference there. Um, and when you have someone that looks like you, you know, they know like what you ate, what type of music you listen to. So they can incorporate that into the learning. Um, I especially like black males teaching black boys because you know because they were boys too you know so they they can tell them over oh yeah I remember this you know I used to fidget in my seat when I was younger you know so they have more of a connection and that's the reason why I do like to I do get like to get uh, books that are authored by men for my boys I, I do get books that are authored by <clears throat> women too but I really get excited when <laughs> something is offered by authored by a man or they've written the book because you know they were boys too so they know what they like um so I just like I said the the culture and you and when you can in, infuse culture into learning um you can make it more real so they could talk about you know like rap you know you can put that into literacy or math um you could put you talk about if they like basketball players or different black businessmen, um, you know, you could talk about, uh, what's just called Damon John, you know, as a black businessman, you know, with his uh, t-shirt brand and his clothing brand, you could talk about even like rappers like Jay-Z, um, you know, how he was a rapper, but he's also a businessman. He's about the numbers. Mm, <laughs> and so you, can yes. incorporate that, you can incorporate that into the math. So I think it's important in, you know, we don't have a lot of that. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when we when we're in school so it's unfortunate but you know we we have to solve the problem so that's why it's really important for us especially as black parents to teach our children at home and expose them to things Um, not just the parents but the whole community you know church um, if there's mentors in the community so I think that's what makes it really come alive to kids when um, someone looks like you and and of course you know they have to learn to be in an environment when there's a teacher that doesn't look like them, but it's, it's important to, to get both. And I think that a person that looks like the child should be their first teacher. So obviously, Oof. usually that's the parent. 
So I think that's that's important. And you just dropped a bomb, man. Just oh, jumped they- on. <laughs> So, and so, I think so. it also mm-hmm. it gives them the confidence to learn in those other environments when the teacher doesn't look like them, you know, because if you have someone that looks like you teaching about your history, teaching that, oh, you know, these people that look like you, they did science, they did math, they're business people. When they go into the environment, you know, they in other environments, they have that confidence because they know, oh, I'm smart, too, because people look like me did this. So if they can do it, I can do it, too. So completely agree. Completely agree. <laughs> Now, looking at, you know, you as a parent that is homeschooling, did that go into your decision to become a homeschool parent or was it for other reasons? Um, Well, yeah, that did because he was so advanced. So by the time he was three, you know, he was doing math. He was, um, you know, reading at a high level. I just thought he would be bored in school and I didn't want him to be in school for, I don't know, six to eight hours in in kindergarten, they're learning the phonics of the ABC and he's already reading. And I know they have advanced programs, but I just didn't think that that would be enough to stimulate him. So I had to go to my husband like, oh, can I? <laughs> it, it was like back and forth about homeschooling. Um, so he finally agreed. And um, I think it's, it's good because at home he can, you know, he can learn at his own pace. Um, right. So right now he's six, but we're doing like fifth and sixth grade math. Wow. And and um he's in the robotics so um so i found a program where he can do like uh, introductory robotics so some of this some of that some of those things he can't learn in school um and it was basically because i just didn't want him to be bored i just thought like sending him to school would be a disservice um to his education um and i do know one um concern is like uh, social but i've I've gotten to a group, there's uh, black homeschoolers. We do field trips with other black homeschoolers. Um, he's in a co-op. Is that um, a local he, group or like uh, something more? Yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a, this is a local group um, that we have. And uh, one of my friends, she actually does all the field trips. Like we just went um, to a museum. Um, they had like a Valentine's Day party at the library. Um, so one of the te- one teacher, she told me, you know, most kids when they're in school, they get about 10 hours of of time where they're interacting with other kids. So if you can give that or close to that to your child, they'll get their social um, time that they need. So that's what I try to do um, with, you know, programs at church with the um, black homeschooling group that I'm in. Um, also through the co-op that I'm in and then a lot of play dates. So a lot of times, you know, if you're a homeschooling parent, they're going to be able to spend time with other children because, you know, you know, the parents, you know, a lot of times you're not going to send a child to another um child's house unless you know the parents and mm-hmm. usually when they're in school um sometimes you get to know the parents but a lot of times you don't because they're unless they're in your neighborhood but as a homeschooling parent you're, you're always interacting with their um with other parents so we can uh, get together and do play dates and i i like all the parents <laughs> in mm-hmm. the homeschooling group so and you know we we're very conscious of getting that social time with our children so right we're always doing yeah. a lot of meetups amazing man i'm i'm inspired man um, <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> How do you find enough time for yourself? You're an author, you know, you have to do your work too, and you have to do, you know, what you have to do. You uh, are speaking, you have speaking engagements. How do you find enough time to kind of balance all that out with the homeschooling? Um, so I, so I know that I have a purpose in life. I think this is my purpose to write books and, you know, to share accelerate learning, fun learning tips. So I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, so once I cut that out, um, I had a little bit more time. Also, um, my husband, once he gets off of work, he takes um, the kids from 5 to 6.30. So I am laser focused to get my work done. So 
I'm usually like in the room just writing or I'm doing a lot like with it, my son has a YouTube channel called Corbin's Fun Learning Adventures where we do science experiments so I'm using editing um, also on Mondays he goes to a program at our church called Awana and I have to volunteer every other week so the weeks that I don't volunteer I'm in Starbucks writing <laughs> or editing videos or um, writing blog posts so the, and also at night, like after my sons go to bed, I use that time. I have about two hours um, to do my work. So I don't, I don't watch, if you ask me the latest movies or anything, I don't know. I'm, Cause I use that time to, to get my work done. Um, Cause I have so many ideas in my head and those are the times that I try to get it done and actually doing the work, writing, it kind of relaxes me. It's kind of funny, but it, it relaxes me <laughs> and it's fun for me. So it doesn't really feel like work. So. Yeah, that, I definitely relate to that. I don't think people understand the amount of time they spend in life watching television and yeah. watching this game, that game, this movie, that movie, this show, that show. And yeah. It's like, yo, if you just remove that, like you would get mm-hmm. a whole nother, like you'll have another life. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. So definitely understand that. All right, I wanted yeah. to do a quick activity here called What's Your Favorite? Identifying a few of your favorite things. You can elaborate or keep it short and sweet if you want to. Okay. Okay. Um. Favorite lesson you've taught your son? Um, I really, okay, so I'll do one for, for him and then one for me. I really like in teaching him Black history because I, I knew that that would instill confidence in him. And I like the way that, you know, when I talk about a Black male invented the three-wave traffic light or the shoe-lasting machine where you connect the, the top upper part of the shoe to the bottom part of the shoe. It's like, oh, wow, Black man or created that or um, a toilet paper holder, a Black woman created that or invented that or improved upon it. And um, just seeing his face light up and for us to do the science experience that go, the science experiments that go behind that just kind of brings the learning to life. So I like that. Now for him, he likes messy science experiments. So um, he likes slime, he likes anything that's kind of exploding foam things like um, exploding eggs, erupting eggs, he likes stuff like that. <laughs> so I really like teaching him the history. Got you, got you. All right, your favorite thing to do with your son, like that mommy, that mommy son time. Um, so we like so la- last night we all had a movie night. Um, but he's he likes video games, so he he's really into like he has a Nintendo Switch. So every Tuesday and Friday, um, I'll usually play the Mario. I, I grew up on um, Super Mario Brothers. So I remember yeah. playing that when I was 11. So he was like, oh, how do you know how to? I was like, I, I used to beat the game when I was 11. <laughs> so I like, but there's so many other versions of Mario and then the controllers. I, I'm working, I'm used to work with A and B and the, you know, the, yeah. the uh, cross sign. But on the Switch now, it has Y and yeah, I know exactly. L. And all. I'm like, no, I just need A and B. I don't need all this other stuff. <laughs> so I really like playing the video games with them, um, especially Mario um, and Mario Kart, because, okay, I know that, but, you know, he's teaching me other games. So I like to do that with them. That's awesome. And um, what has been your favorite lesson that your son has taught you? Um, uh, wow. So my favorite lesson that he's taught me is that um, it's okay to, to let loose and have fun. Cause I'll like work, work, <laughs> work, you know, when I have those little pockets of time. So now I'm, I'm, remember I was telling you like from usually five to six 30, my husband will take the kids after work. So mm-hmm. I use, do use that Friday, um, or Tuesday to play games with him. And it actually, it helps me to become a better teacher. Um, because when I, he knows that I'm spending time in his world doing what he likes, um, that 
that helps me. So it's not like all about learning, 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 learning. It's like, what does he like to do? And we also like to play Hot Wheels cars and doing races. So um, it helps me like, okay, you don't need to work all the time. You know, even when you do have those pockets of time, you know, sometimes you can spend time doing things that he likes. So just to kind of take a breather. <laughs> right, right. Super important. All right. Your favorite books for Black children? Um, so I do like um, the one that you said by Dr. Amos. Um, Dr. Amos Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Um, the one of about um, Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu, Raising Black Boys. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, and also you wouldn't, I, I like reading biographies of Black men. So one of my favorite ones was Malcolm X. Um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I learned a lot about, you know, Black boys, um, how they learn, um, just reading his biography. So, and also um, there's another one with, um, oh my gosh, he was a civil rights leader. He just died. Um, oh my goodness. He was right beside Martin Luther King. Oh, why is this leaving me? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I'm getting oh my a brain goodness. fart too. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I know exactly. Well, he has a memoir. He has a memoir that I read. Um, and and one of the things that I've learned through all the reading about all these black men and their biographies is that they were readers. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I wanted to, I liked when I am reading these books, I always I always look at how the mother was. And you know, mothers have different roles. Some were involved, some were you know, were very strict. Some were like, well, no, just do what you want to do, you know, live your purpose, live your life. But I always like seeing how their mothers played a part in their life. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, John yeah, Lewis. So, John Lewis, yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> so he has a memoir out that was really, really, really good. Um, so that's like the common thing that I've gotten from all these. They were they were all readers. So that's why books are very important uh, to me and in, instilling in that in my sons. Super important. What about like your son's favorite books, like the children's books? Okay, so right now he's in the Planets vs. Zombies, <laughs> which is, I guess <laughs> is a video game too. Um, so yeah, he loves those and he likes um, Dogman and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And he likes Sonic, like a Sonic the Hedgehog books, but it has to be, has to have Ash in it. So some character <laughs> named Ash. So he like he likes those books <laughs> right now. Got you, got you. And what's been your favorite part of homeschooling? Um, I think um, creating a learning environment where he's enjoying it and he's experiencing um, different uh, aspects of learning. So there might be times where he's doing writing and I, I do work from some workbooks, but they might say, oh, read this poem. I'm like, no, we're not gonna read this poem. We're gonna, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can write a, your own story or we, you know, we'll read a lot of biographies. Like we just finished um, about the Tuskegee Airmen. I was like, well, write something about the Tuskegee Airmen or um, uh, other biographies that we've read. Like we read one about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, um, Garrett A. Morgan who created three-way traffic light. So I like that I can tailor the curricular curriculum to him where he doesn't have to read you know the poems that they give or the stories that they give I can just kind of use their their template but you know we can incorporate our own reading materials in there so I I do like that and he I didn't like science when I was um younger because it was it was just a book um and the teacher would just lecture to us but now that we can experience science through our science experiments we can go on field trips so he likes sea animals so we can go to the the local aquarium and um, they have a lot of homeschooling programs at these museums like our local aquarium they have homeschooling programs so he just took a class about um 
phytoplankton. And um, he, he's about to take another class at the local science center about birds. So I can use those field trips to, and, and I'll give him like a list of um, programs that they're offering at these places. And he is able to pick out what he wants to learn. So being able to kind of put him in the driver's seat of his learning. I, I really like that. That's amazing, man. All right. Um, <laughs> your favorite tip so far is the last one that you've uh, shared with Black parents, your favorite tips for Black parents. Um, favorite tip is, I think, is to help help their, their well, I would say to read to them at an early age, because um, most parents don't do that. They think they have to wait until they're like <laughs> two, three, four, when they can understand the words. So um, I think that's been a lot of, that's been a shocker for some parents. Some parents do it. Um, and then knowing that you can teach reading comprehension, even when you have a, a newborn or even when you have a child, just through your motions, through role plays. It doesn't have to be like a child just regurgitating what they read to you back in verbal form. So I think that um, that might be the favorite one because that's like the shocker sometimes. Like, oh, you read to him as a newborn? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember when I was pregnant with my second son, my husband was reading. We, we had books. So my son was my husband was reading to my um, second son um, as a newborn I think it was like his second day of life and he mm -hmm. was reading to him so yeah amazing amazing um, uh, thank you. you are building quite the legacy so oh. just with um, you know all the work that you've been doing with parenting you know raising your sons and everything um, what what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind with your family for black parents um, for future parents out there, um, adults, you know, children, everything. Like, what, what do you want to leave behind when they hear, you know, your name or you know your your business and the work that you're doing? Um, I just want them to remember that our kids are capable. Um, they're more than capable. They're geniuses. Um, they can do it. Um, they can, you know, it's not that there's something wrong with their brain or anything, or they just can't learn. I think that we have to look at a child and see if they're, if they're energetic, you know, there's ways that you could teach them something with movement or, you know, just kind of look at what they, what they're interested in, whether it's um, video games, whether it's uh, sports, all of that can be incorporated into the learning and um, children, even babies, they are the fastest learners. So I think we just have to start at an earlier age. And I just want them to know that um, it, we as the parents have to expose them. Um, you know, there's teachers out there and we can blame the teachers for them not learning, but I think it all falls down on us um, teaching them. So if your child doesn't understand something, you know, teacher has 30 kids in there and usually they're teaching to the middle. So they can't teach you the top, can't teach you the bottom, usually they're teaching to the middle. And that, I mean, that's a hard job. So it's, it's for us as parents to take on their learning. So that's why in all my books I have so many activities you, that you can do with your child um, and just to create like a bond with them, you know, when you're <clears throat> exposing them to learning, it's not just you teaching them, you expose them, but they're teaching you too. And you're in their world. Um, it, uh, you're participating in things that they like and you're incorporating learning into that as well. So that's the agreed, legacy that I want to. Agreed. <laughs> um, man, that's wonderful, man. And for me, you, you've uh, just looking at your work has kind of taught me again, patience because for my daughter, it was like super easy, like to, to do stuff with my daughter and to read to her and everything. But my mm -hmm. son's energy levels are like off the chart. So it's like, you know, I don't do it as much as I was doing it with my daughter. And, um, you know, just looking at your work kind of reminded me of the play and just being more patient and 
um, you know, being patient and constantly attempting to do those things until he gets used to it. So I do thank yeah. you for that, that reminder. Oh, <laughs> oh no, but yeah. And actually with, with reading for boys, you have to incorporate some type of action. And there's so many books out there. Like, like I said, my, my son is reading Planets vs. Zombies. Some of the stuff, he's talking about brains and all that stuff. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I don't like it, but that's what he likes, you know? And, um, you know, even like with ABC books where it talks about different animals, like, um, I don't know, S is for sheep, I'll make the sheep sound. Or if, <clears throat> if um, B is for bear, I'll make the bear sound. So I might <laughs> go around here and, and, gro- and growl like a bear. So I have to act it out and make it more physical for um, for my boys. <clears throat> and usually, like once they get to know a book, they can actually sit down and read it themselves and like have the patience to turn the pages because they already know. Oh, this is a bear. And you might hear them say "er" or, <laughs> or for the L lion, like my my one year who's like "er," you know, he's growling like a lion, and he, but he's sitting there turning the pages because he knows that the the lion there's a meaning associated with it through the sound and through the motions that my mom read to me so so yeah so yeah there's a ton of books that boys I mean there's superhero books there's I mean I know there's a George Brown book where they you know boys are talking about different things and you know how you know <laughs> video games and competition and all that so there's so many books out there for boys and I would just say if you can try to get a book that's by a male um because they'll relate more but there are so many books out there that's by women too that my son likes too like like I think the George Brown books is by a woman and my son really likes that so that is awesome that is awesome um how's your young your your one-year-old doing by the way before we leave off oh yeah he's doing well he's um 15 months right now so he he likes to do up down up (laughs) you see you hear him say up down he likes to do head so head he said head shoulders knees and toes so he, he's doing that. So he's, you know, talking and just from some of the motions that we've been doing, like we we do an ABC dance. <laughs> so there's a show on Mother Goose Club where they have like the ABC dance. So we'll do that. You can see him like kind of doing the motions like A is for angry. So he'll do like the angry dance. So he and he loves books, too. Um, so he will um, if he sees books, he'll open it and you can kind of see him because we've read like a certain book for. Uh, for a lot of times he's familiar with it so he'll you'll hear him talking but you can't really understand what he's saying yet <laughs> um not all the words that he's saying so he likes books too and he likes to dance and he likes songs behind what he's learning so if I'm talking about the ABCs I have to like incorporate some type of song with him so he likes puzzles too <laughs> I got it got it got it that is amazing man you're doing the work all over again with the oh uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah <laughs> that's great work great work all right. Uh, as we leave off, we like to ask our guests if they can leave us with their favorite quote and what it means to them. So can you share with us your favorite quote? Yes. Yeah, so favorite quote is make the world your child's learning playground. And um, learning can be anywhere and everywhere. So that's what that means. Um, so like my my son and my husband, they have a garden. So that's like science. And, and my son has a um a turtle and he has fish and that's science to biology so learning can take place anywhere in the car um anywhere around your house um like I said my mom when she taught me about bills writing out the bills so the whole world is about learning it's not just books it's not just writing anything and everything you do can be a learning experience for your child so 
Man, you guys are like the perfect black family, man. Like, oh, no, 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 man. But it's just you guys are doing amazing work, man. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the gems with us and, uh, you know, giving us some insight on p- the parenting. And I'm sure it's going to serve as a guideline for a lot of parents that or new parents that are scratching their head and just don't know where to start. And, you know, oh, Andre has a book, you know, like so. <laughs> Definitely, listeners, check out all of the books. I think they are super constructive, and each book is like teaching something different. So, before we leave off, can you share uh, the your your books and then um, where people sure. can find your work? People okay. that are interested. Um, so they can find me on Simply Outrageous Youth. That's Y O U T T H dot com. So Simply Outrageous Youth dot com, and um, I have well, I have six books. Um, this one is Teacher Toddler to Read Through Play, and it has over 130 activities and just tells a story about how I taught my son to read. Um, the next one that I wrote, I think this one might be the most popular, is Teaching Math in Early Childhood. And this one has over 200 activities, so it goes from learning the numbers and shapes all the way to multiplication through play. Um, the next one is teaching your child about money. So I had my brother, he's a um, financial consultant and advisor. I had him help me with this. So this is teaching your child about financial literacy. And again, this one has about 110 activities here. And um, this one is teacher about um, funny, easy ways to teach your toddler to write. So this is how I taught my son to write through games and developing his, um, his hand strength through um, just different activities I used to do with him. So this one has 135 and it just talks about um, how you can teach children to form letters um, and it gives you methods to how to do it. So that's my book. So it gives you fun methods that you can do in activity along with the activities to teach your child. And um, this one is one my son wrote. It's called Alexander's Hide and Seek Alphabet. And it uses, it's called a loci method. And basically you're just using your location to remember um, the letters. So um, A might be where the apple is in the kitchen. Um, B might be where the bed is. So you're actually taking this book around your house using location to help them learn the alphabet. Um, and that's like a learning technique there. And then our latest book is Our Story, Black History for Kids. And it's about 12 scientists. And we have uh, 50 science experiments, fun art projects and STEM projects where kids will learn about these 12 Black scientists, but they're they'll remember them through the activities that they're doing after the story of each scientist. And then I also have some courses. I have a course about study tricks. So it's about how um, your child can learn facts in 10 minutes through learning tricks. So I just gave you one with the loci method. Like they can learn a whole speech just using like the location of their home or using your body to, to remember list. So those I have that. So that's study tricks. It's an online course. I have an online course about reading comprehension how to help your child with reading comprehension. And my other course is teaching your toddler to read uh, through play. So that one is, it's based on my first book about teaching your toddler to read through play, but I actually show you video of my son and his process and take you through the journey of him learning to read from when he was born to 10 months being able, like if I said, go get the name of this book, he's able to get the name of the book. So you actually see in video of him and I show you like all the resources that I use there. So that's pretty much all, all, all I have. <laughs> Black excellence at its finest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, where where can people find you on social media and your website? 
So website is simply outrageousyouth.org. I'm on Instagram, you can in Facebook and also um say Instagram, Facebook and Pinterest simply outrageous youth. You look that up. And then I'm also on YouTube with simply outrageous youth, but I don't update that channel much because my son has a channel called Corbin's Fun Adventures and Learning and we update that every week. So we have like fun science experiments, do it yourself projects, learning games and he has probably over 125 videos on that um, channel so far. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, guys, please share with uh, Black parents, share with, uh, you know, people that you know that could definitely utilize the resources. Um, I know I'm going to be, you know, re-looking and looking at a lot of this information to implement with my children. So definitely uh, do the work, do the work. You have to do the work. Like Ms. Stevenson just mm -hmm. said, do not expect them <laughs> to go into the school system and get everything that they need because history has told us that right now has told us that the future will tell us that um, they are not going to get what they need from the education system. We have to be the ones to provide it for them. And again, thank you, Ms. Stevenson, for doing that and showing us a template of how to do that. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I know this will not be your last time on mastermind i have a feeling you'll be back oh no i had fun <laughs> thank you yeah, this is for fun. sure for sure pleasure was all ours so uh listeners uh thank you for listening and definitely please share the program um go through the books the books are very insightful and they are very clear and concise and step-by-step -step activities guides everything super resourceful and you know through the process always remember your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe therefore if you can think it you can do it if you believe in it you can be it and if you fight for it you can have it the world is yours this has been your host mr g and i will see you next time on mastermind <laughs>